Good morning, good evening, Matthew Grant here. And if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, then I hope that you too are enjoying these wonderful autumn or if you're in the US, fall days we're having just now. Perfect for plugging us in to go for a run, a walk, or just tidy up the garden. And for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, well, I hope spring is in the air and even more reason to be out and about. Well, this week we have another founder's story, Johnny McCord, CEO of Loadshore. Now, unless you're directly involved in shipping or logistics, you probably don't know much about freight insurance. I just certainly didn't until this. But Johnny's story about how he founded Loadshore follows the classic way that some of the most successful entrepreneurs have started businesses. It's definitely worth a listen. As an insurance broker himself, Johnny had often thought there must be a better way to provide insurance for what is a fragmented market with needs for coverage that are varying day by day. Now, that may have remained no more than a dream if Johnny hadn't been spurred into action by one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the London insurance market. Keep listening to find out more about that. We're delighted to have Loadshaw as one of our many corp members from insurance and technology companies. Contact me or any of our team, that's Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn or hello at instec.co for any of us. And you can find full details of what we're doing on our website, www.instec.co. Instec is accredited for continuing professional development by the Chartered Insurance Institute, and you can earn up to 0.5 CPD hours by listening to our podcast. You can find the learning objectives on our website, www.instec.co, or in the episode description. While you're there, please do take a minute to complete the feedback form. We are always keen to hear what you think of the podcast. Johnny, great to have you joining us. We had you on stage earlier this year for about 10 minutes. So you've done the warm up and now you're here for the uh, the full edition to talk about your experience of founding and now running Loadshore back in 2018. You yourself were a cargo wholesale broker for 20 years. And now with Loadshore, amongst other things, you're offering insurance for the freight industry, which includes hard to insure products. We're going to hear a bit about those coming on. And uh, in March 2022, earlier this year, you raised $11 million. Uh, I'm sure there's more we can talk about, but welcome. Matthew, thank you. you know, Honoured and delighted to be talking with you. You're one of the people that's founded a company because you yourself were in a situation and you realised that your customers or you weren't getting the full potential that you see could be out there. But what was it for you to take the decision to leave from yeah, a relatively secure job working for a large organization to decide to go out and strike out on your own? I was having a coffee with Stephen Catlin uh, probably back in 2017, talking to him about how I feel that technology can ultimately make me more efficient and and also better serve the freight community, to which he, he was pretty cutting and saying, Johnny, you know, at the end of the day, your generation is very exposed. I asked why, and he made it very clear. And it was ultimately there's a younger generation behind you that are going to revolutionise the insurance market and leave you for dust. I didn't want to be left for dust. Great. So you went back, and after that, you sort of decided to put together the business plan and and launch the business. And how how long did it take then from having that coffee before you actually launched the business? Constructing the business plan and the uh, confidence was probably 12 months until I finally bit the, bit the bullet in November 2018 and uh, you know, jumped feet first into this world of uh, the startup. And we're here to talk about helping the freight industry. 
shipping goods around the place. I've read somewhere that the, the cover that you help people with is uh, includes alcohol, fo- frozen produce, and fireworks. Uh, so what's been hap- what's happening in the sort of more traditional insurance world? Why why aren't they able to cover things like that? Over the years, uh, there's been some poor performance in commodity, and you know the way that the freight community. Uh, handle those goods, it seemed to be the, the easiest response to exclude such commodities. Whereas our approach is very different. We, we believe that there's no such thing as a bad risk. There's such things as uh, bad terms and conditions. And, you know, to enable us to make the right terms and conditions and decisions is led by data. Uh, so just to make sure I understand sort of the, the use case. So this is situations where, you know, just go back to people shipping alcohol around, you know, the exclusions might be under more traditional products that you just don't get coverage for those those goods and you're coming in and finding ways to help people get insurance for them. Especially um, you know, where you know, the spot market's involved in particular, the traditional MTC coverage that is you know, readily available for the carriers doesn't necessarily protect um, the shippers for the physical loss or damage of the cargoes. And a lot of these MTC policies have exclusions surrounding, um, you know, alcohol um, and other high risk commodities. And I heard an acronym in there that MTC, I think it was, which I'm not even going to have a hazard guess at because I don't know this space particularly well, but so for the other people that aren't familiar with that, what does that stand for, Johnny? It's the motor truck cargo policy that the carriers hold um, to protect them against their liability of hauling um, a third-party um, goods. Excellent. Well, I know Henry from our research team is listening, so we'll add that to our glossary of uh, insurance <laughs> acronyms for people to, people to review and certainly make sure we know those internally. And then you also mentioned there about spot prices. So could you just explain a little bit more about what that means in practice or how that influences the insurance? So ultimately, it's it's a spot market that um, we we serve a significant proportion of because you know it's it's ad hoc f- freight movements. So there's no long term relationship with a carrier um, and no uh, understanding of of necessarily the 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 coverage that uh, the carrier has. So um, what we do is we provide an embedded solution to that. support market to be able to procure insurance as and when those uh, freight contracts are being arranged um, so that they have peace of mind that the commodity is actually covered. So is that a bit like if I want to go and ship some furniture from my mother's house, I go to Shipley and I basically get a quote from lots of different people and then I'll choose the one at the time. Is that a sort of, is that a version of that that's happening out there in the, uh, the more commercial market out there when you talk about the spot market? Yeah, so um, it's exactly those those principles. It's it's a, a digital platform that brings a shipper and a, a carrier together to negotiate the the cost of moving freight from A to B. The U.S. market predominantly has about seventy percent of commodities moved under contract, and then. The thirty percent is is moved through the spot market, and the spot market in the U.S. is incredibly powerful, and um, you know is is very um, prominent uh, market for the U.S. freight industry. 
it sounds like it's done on the individual transaction. It's like a commodity. So what you're saying is you, there's not a kind of one-to-one relationship between the person that wants the goods moved from the shipper. They need to take out insurance each time they're, they're moving the transaction. So the insurance is not like a traditional annual policy. It needs to have a bit more flexibility around the, the timing as well as the type of goods. Yes, exactly. It's got to be readily available um, you know, at the point of, of purchase to know that uh, the shipper or the carrier can meet the shipper's obligations to cover the value of the goods being moved. Traditionally, the the carriers will carry up to 100,000 in MTC coverage and you know, goods quite often fall well, abo- uh, fall well over um, that limit. So that's another use case for, for load shores that we're able to provide instantly the coverage to, to meet the, the value of the cargo being moved. In terms of how you get to your customers, are you therefore embedded in that transaction process? Absolutely. So um, we have built all our technology based on an API infrastructure. So we, our principle is that we don't want to touch the risks that we write. Uh, we leave that down to our technology uh, for distribution and our algorithm for, for the underwriting. And uh, we uh, have a very very slick way of integrating. Um, it takes up to you know maximum five days to fully embed ourselves within the customer journey of such marketplaces, whether it's a transportation management system, uh, a load board, which is these marketplaces we're talking about, um, or any any digital infrastructure that moves um, or, or negotiates the, the freight being moved. For most of us, sort of the equivalent be if you go and book a flight or a train these days it says do you want insurance for that in your case it's like you go to your load board or you go and find your shipper and, and you click a button and say i'd like insurance and then that picks up your api absolutely and we we provide that through um our quote and bind api and it's uh it's bound within within seconds so i know you also work with brokers that I think is a slightly different distribution model for you, or, or an additional distribution model. How, how does that work in practice? Absolutely, you know that that's our primary channel. Um, we we provide white label environments uh, for for the broking community. Um, for example, we'll provide uh, a, a broker, large broker, access to that environment, and they will then distribute. The products through our technology into their logistics company that is is their client. Um, they're the trusted advisors of those clients, and they know what the needs of their their clients are. And our technology enables that broker to seamlessly transact insurance that is needed on a pay-as-you-go basis. How are you accessing that market? Those brokers. How are they learning about Loadshore? Social media is obviously um, an important part of us, but uh, we are very well connected in the insurance market and becoming a recognized brand to really address areas that have been underserved and have traditionally been uneconomical to serve. So our principles are about providing and addressing the, the needs of the freight community through a very efficient process, which is our technology enabling the brokers to receive passive revenue while focusing on the more complex risk and that client relationship. And then you mentioned data there about on the ways that you identify, and I guess, price the risk as well. What sources of data are you using and, and tapping into to do that? 
data is our secret source um, and utilizing the industry's previously untapped data is is really a lot of where we source our our data from um, some of that's open source some of that's licensed some of it's uh, through IOT devices but ultimately these data pipelines feed into uh, our algorithm and our modeling process we build hundreds and hundreds of different models to analyze what data has an impact on the shipment that we are ultimately moving and you know we don't underwrite through buckets we underwrite uh, at unprecedented granularity so that we know exactly what risk profile any one shipment uh, is and they'll be able to provide a very clear and accurate risk score against that so I, I can see how you can do that in terms of tracking what's happening but what about pricing because if you've only started a few years ago you don't have a strong loss history. How do you work out what the right price is to, to charge? Um, so obviously huge amounts of analysis on historical data has enabled us to, to go to market with ultimately ceiling prices that we are comfortable with um, and not only able to uh, grow our, our business um, and prove adoption and but also protecting our capacity for and providing a profitable and sustainable book but we know that uh you know our pricing right now can become you know even more granular and more cost effective based on the 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 data and the analytics that we're going through um and in in time the machine learning will start to pick out the trends that we are seeing through our own real-time data whether that be you know our pricing or our claims data and the the model modeling that we're doing uh, on the back end as well you mentioned granular there i mean you mentioned your secret source, so I'm not going to ask you to give away any of your, <laughs> your secret sources, S-O-U-R-C-E-S as opposed to S-A-U-C-E-S. But uh, what would be an example of a kind of where you're seeing more granularity in terms of ability to identify data or identify things that might influence the, the risk? There's two examples I can bring to the table here. Uh, if we look at uh, the traditional markets, uh, we'll frame a group of commodity under general merchandise for example you know, general merchandise could be made up of thousands and thousands of different commodities it's a big bucket um so we don't feel that that gives us enough understanding of the commodity that we're moving so we break break it down into what the the freight industry use uh, which are called harmonized codes so hs codes to really understand what type of commodity we're moving so you know there's multiple types of frozen produce for example there's multiple types of metals that are moved so we really understand exactly what that commodity is and what the behaviors of that commodity are secondly another example is we don't we don't rate on continents for example you know so we actually rate on time in transit so uh, that is another area that is very different to the traditional market um, obviously they don't know exactly how long a domestic transit is going to last they can guess and because of obviously the zones that they're in but we actually monitor duration of that physical shipment to enable us to 
accurately price on the duration. How did you find it? You were a broker. You've got a business that's very analytical. You've got to identify sources of data that you want to be able to use. You've then got to f- do some quite sophisticated analytics on it. You've got to roll it all together. You've got to put it in some technology. I mean, it's one thing to decide to leave a business and go and set up a new business, but you've effectively, fundamentally gone at like a 90 degrees to what you're doing before in terms of being a broker. And now you've built you know, what is essentially a technology company. How, how on earth have you done that? in such a short time that you've now got such strong relationships out there? Um, by surrounding myself with uh, you know, smart, intelligent people that uh, uh, understand and you know really want to be part of this journey to, to make a difference to the freight industry and also move the insurance industry forward. So we're nowhere near finished. We've only just started. Um, and one of my biggest learnings in all this is, is that technology is like a baby. You need to teach it. It has to grow, has to learn from us. And we are, we are teaching it as it, as it goes. So we're becoming more and more sophisticated every day we step forward. And it's a very exciting journey, but I have been fortunate to surround myself with the right people who believe in this vision and believe in the value that it's bringing to the table. Uh, it's a great analogy, like a baby. Of course, babies grow up and to be teenagers. So I think one of the challenges you have with, <laughs> you're going to have is, uh, and I think we're seeing this with artificial intelligence, which is you know, your, your, your artificial intelligence needs to be humble enough to go, I don't know the answer instead of trying to guess it or make it up. So uh, yeah, you've got to teach it as a baby, but you've also got to know when you, you, when you, when it, when you put somebody into the loop to to change his decision, presumably. Absolutely. And that's why we are, you know, we refer to ourselves as human centric tech because we know there has to be some human influence here and omit when, when things don't quite perform the way that we feel that they should. But I'm also just interested a little bit more on, on how you attract people to come and work for you because, again, it's great to have great people, but that's also a big challenge these days in, in bringing people in, particularly kind of in a relatively early stage company. I guess the funding helps a little bit, but to the extent, again, you're willing to share it. I mean, how, how did you go and find those people? And, and particularly, how do you know you've got the right people joining you if you yourself haven't got that deep technological background? It's been a, a, a steep learning curve, that, that piece in particular. Um, when building a company from scratch, it's, it's just, just yourself. Um, it's your your concept, it's your idea, um, how you describe that and explain that vision to people is ultimately you know, where the buying comes in. And you know, I've been very passionate about what I'm doing. It is firsthand knowledge and experiences that really understood the vision of Loadshore. So I never wanted to build Loadshore with tunnel vision. I wanted to be creative and to think outside the box. I believe that we are at the forefront of InsureTech 2.0 because we're focusing on making sure that not only we provide a real, real customer value, but also underwriting profit um, and getting the underwriting model right. And you know that that desire and that that mission is what attracts a lot of our talent to to be part of that most importantly it's the culture that we've built you know ensuring that we have the right balance for you know work life um you know giving 
people the flexibility to you know to to manage manage both is is really important um we we're fully virtual we're a tech company first and foremost and we're a very diverse group which means that the company and the culture needs to be equally diverse on that point about virtual you were in the Lloyd's lab back in 2019 in the fourth cohort i believe you were the first company to go through that virtually uh, how, how do you find that whole experience, both you know the lab itself, uh, but actually you know, working remotely and uh, you're trying to engage with mentors and customers in that? It's a great initiative um, that Lloyd's have built there. Um, you know, innovation and you know, changing the 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 way that the London market um, perception on technology is so important, and they're certainly at the forefront of doing that, which is fantastic. Um, Yes, we were uh, the first virtual cohort, thanks to the the pandemic. Um, there were silver linings to that in the fact that my, my two of my uh, founding team are based in the US, and that gave us the ability not to have to travel constantly to to the UK. Um, but primarily, it it was a very very good experience very well run uh we wanted to get as much data out of our mentors and lloyds as possible it's a very challenging time at that point to extract data i think uh, you know the the view of data sharing is becoming less guarded um over the the period of time from then till now which is good but um you know it it was a a big learning curve for my two co-founding members because they don't come from the insurance market and they didn't believe how traditional and antiquated some of the processes of the Lloyd, Lloyd's market were until they experienced the Lloyd's lab. So that's really ignited um, how much of a difference that we can make by our technology servicing business that's just been uneconomical to service and reducing acquisition costs within the London market. I think we'll call that a win for Lloyd's because you know, they, they helped you grow at a really critical stage. And uh, yeah, Absolutely. we got through some of those antiquated activities. At least your colleagues enough to go and turn up and wear a tie because they could dial in from California. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I just want to come back to the, the business and claims. So can we just tell at the final stage of this journey? So people, excuse the pun, but so someone's got the insurance for their, their frozen pizzas. Uh, something happens, I guess the temperature goes up because the refrigeration unit breaks down might be one example. H- how does that claims process then make its way back to you? As I mentioned earlier, we're fully digital end-to-end insurance platform, uh, distribution, underwriting, and of course, claims. Um, so all our... Our, uh, all our certificates are purchased through our technology and uh, you know, a point of a claim occurring, a submission, uh, a claim submission will be, be filed uh, through, through the technology, um, which is collecting ultimately all the information on the front end that is needed to alt- open a, a claims file. So not needing individuals to, to go and meticulously collect all that information uh so a, a very expedited expedited process to which it then feeds into uh very sophisticated ocr technology 
um, which is then determining the next stage of, of the claims process, whether those documents are proved to be what they actually say they are, um, or if not, then they're then referred to our TPA. But if everything is all in order, it goes into a very sophisticated decision engine where there are a number of uh, gates and a different logic that needs to be met, uh, fraud detection uh, process as well. And having met all that criteria, it is then um, reaches our loss fund, which sits within an electronic payment system, which upon approval will release funds in near real time. So that is simplistically the, the way that the, the, the system works. Um, going back to my analogy of technology is like a baby. Um, this is probably uh, our most infant part of our technology to date, and it's ever improving with the more claims that occur. But obviously, there's a balance there from uh, our side, and yeah, we we obviously want to trust that technology as much as possible. So we're we're nurturing it through these um, advanced stages to get to a point where we fully trust it but there is you know, human intervention needed um, but the efficiencies we brought to the process already is having you know, considerable cost reduction on the processing of claims couple of things in there so you just first of all tpa mentioned third-party administrators for anybody that's not familiar with that and then i was getting very excited there johnny initially when you're talking through how this claims process is working and then you mentioned ocr which of course is optical character recognition which suggests to me that somewhere in the process someone's got a bit of paper or something and scanned it and sent it through so it sounds like it's still not quite fully digital is that fair it's still working with sort of what originally would have been bits of paper or documents Ultimately, the OCR technology is needed because there's no standardization within the freight industry for the documents that are required. Um, a lot of uh, occurrence of claims are noted in handwritten notes on bill of ladings or invoices, and those are the documents that obviously need to be read. Um, and the the causation of loss tends to be in certain circumstances, uh, handwritten on a piece of paper. So the OCR technology is ultimately trying to establish what the uh, what some of the causation of loss is. Yeah, and it's so intriguing. That, you know, one of the sort of areas, cutting areas of OCR technology is the ability to read handwriting. So at some point, you have to again go off in a kind of totally different direction and, and digitise it. But for the time being, yeah. we've just got to work with what we've got. And then looking to the future, you know, you've done a huge amount already. So that probably implies you're going to be doing a lot more, I suspect. Uh, you touched on claims there a little bit. It sounds like that's still got some opportunity for growth. But what what are you getting excited about as you look out the next two or three years ahead? The, the, the bit that makes me, you know, excited the most and you know the privilege of of leading this company is uh you know what we refer to as holistic freight protection and what that is is just we're not just here to be a risk transfer mechanism um yes we will provide the the policy the paper and settle claims in the 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 in the scenario of 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 a loss but our value 
we believe is even greater when we can suppress those losses from occurring in the first place. So utilizing our data to give actionable insights, to give active risk management across our entire portfolio, regardless of the size of your organization. Um, loss engineering has really been a privilege of large enterprise companies and the most important entity to receive loss or active risk management is is actually the the smaller SMBs, which are less sophisticated when it comes to to risk mitigation and risk management. And SMBs, small, medium-sized businesses, or SMBs as we call them in the UK, and one of the major insurance companies has actually made it its, its mission from the CEO to pay less claims. And that doesn't mean they literally are going to be tough on claims. It means they, to your point exactly, they they are now creating a business they're taking very seriously around risk mitigation and, and yeah that's happening more and more in the major insurance i know it makes complete sense and in fact we're also hearing a lot from people who are on that corporate side or business side who are looking for that combined insurance and risk mitigation um was a whole lot of stuff in there johnny in terms of anybody that wants to learn more about this what's the sort of simplest way for them to kind of go to the next stage of understanding how they might be able to work with Loadshore? The simplest way is to contact me through through LinkedIn, um, and I'd love to you know, talk directly with the market um, that is interested, and you know, walk you through the value of our technology and our capacity to ensure that we are servicing areas of the freight industry that have been underserved. And that's Johnny McCord, M C C O R D, or I guess Loadshaw would, would find you as well at LinkedIn. And then we've been delighted to have your support at Instec. What was it about what we're up to that gave you the sort of desire to work with us? You know, ultimately, it's it's your your audience and the way that you are able to communicate so freely and informatively with the audience. You know, we're we're building our own technology. We're also pragmatic when it comes to that. So, you know, whether we we partner or purchase um, or uh, or build is something that is always something we are up for discussion and want to have discussions with. And, you know, we, we therefore like to focus on like mind companies that are trying to improve the efficiencies of the insurance market. So we're, we're excited to be part of the Instec community to network and, you know, discuss things, uh, all insure tech, but also to talk to and, uh, you know, work with potential capacity providers. Well, thank you for your support. And we do have a very active and uh, smart, intelligent audience of people who listen who are listening to what we're saying just now. So I'm um, knowing from past experience, I'm sure some will be in touch. Uh, well, Johnny, that's been great. Really appreciate that. And look forward to seeing you again uh, in London at one of our events or one of our dinners. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. Well, we're talking to inspiring founders like Johnny every day. And despite some of the challenges in the external economy, there are still lots of great ideas and people to able to execute on them and people willing to invest in companies doing that that we're talking to around the world. And of course, much of this wouldn't be possible without the insurers we work with who want to know more about technology, data, and analytics companies and MGAs. So if you are working with an insurer and want to know more about how we can help you find a business partner there, or if you're working with a technology company 
and want to know how we can help you, then please do get in contact. Matthew Grant on LinkedIn or hello at instec.co. That's it. We're done. <laughs>